It's time to hear the word of God. And today our scripture reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 25 to 26. Acts 16, 25 to 26. And I read. I'm reading from the NIV. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chain came loose. This is the end of the word of God. Amen. Amen. Our own campus pastor, Reverend Quasi, will minister the word of God to us. So, choir. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for the privilege of coming into your presence. Lord, it's been 12 months of this pandemic. Right at the end of February last year, we heard in the news that there was a China flu. We told us another thing happening around Asia. But by March, we had recorded our first cases. Lord, and the country has not been the same. But Father, we are here as a testimony that Lord, you have kept us. You've watched over us. You have blessed us. Lord, you've sustained us. We've lost dear ones. Some of us have been through it and by your grace we're out. But all through this, we come to say praise is what we do. Worship is what we give. And our lives are testimony of your goodness and your mercy. So this morning we ask you, Lord, to speak even as we open our hearts, our minds to hear from you. Speak, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Once again, thank you, Papa, for the opportunity to use your pulpit to preach this morning, the last Sunday of February. I remember last year around this time you were somewhere in the U.S. I remember very well. And we thought it was going to be a short time to come back in March, but we know what happened. So I, I, I look at dates, and for me, it gives me opportunity to praise, to thank God for how far we have come. This morning, we are considering a subject about worship. I think uh, originally what was put on the program was God doesn't need anything but your worship. I have done some little work to it, so that's what we're going to see. So I'm talking about God responds to a spirit-led worship. So that's a little modification using the same test. God responds to a spirit-led worship. The whole year, we'll be looking at living by the spirit, and this quarter, which has one more month, to end this quarter, we'll be looking at celebrating the Holy Spirit. And I think that's what we've been doing in our songs, in our prayer meetings, in our teachings about celebrating the Holy Spirit. And today, God responds to a spirit-led worship. Thank you very much. And so I will do my regular for peace, as we know, and then have a response. I will continue this morning to talk about the mission of Calvary Baptist Church. Can we all try it? I don't know whether it's projected. I'll keep looking up. So... Can we say it together? To exalt God in worship, grow towards Christian maturity, and reach out to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I call that in my three C's, to celebrate, to connect, and to contribute. Can we shout out the vision together? A vibrant congregation. So the question usually I do this is to ask yourself, are you living on mission and vision for Calvary Baptist Church? You may be a member here, but this is why we exist. 
and this is where we are going. So two reflections this morning is to ask you questions to think whilst I teach in 27 minutes. Is spirit-led worship a lifestyle or mere response to crisis? I'm asking you a question and I'm asking you to reflect. Is the spirit-led worship a lifestyle or it's a mere response to Christ? See, there are people who seems not to get close to God until they go through problems. It's when there is crisis, maybe there is sickness, when the child becomes wayward, it's almost like when you lose a job, then we tend to get closer to God. But I'm asking you to think about that this morning. And do you have a spirit-led relationship with God? Or is a transactional one? Are you the one that comes to church and says, God, you know last Sunday I went to church. And so I'm reminding you to do what I asked you to do for me this week. The transactional one. Lord, I brought my tithe. This Sunday is the last Sunday, Lord, I have brought my tithe. So Lord, remember what you said in Malachi. You know, in itself, on the surface, there's really nothing wrong if you remind God of his word. But I'm trying to ask you to think, whilst I teach, is your relationship with God spirit-guided or it's just a matter of transaction? I have done ABC, so you must do CDE. For example, you have paid someone's school fees. It says, I am your father. I paid your fees. And that is why you must respect me. It almost reduced that a man who can pay the school fees of his child has no honor in his own home because it's a transactional mindset. But let me establish here why I changed the topic this morning, that God has everything. I'm reading Acts 17, verse 24 to 25. It said, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he's Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he saved by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. I want that to soak in. God literally doesn't need anything from us. And I want you to think about that because it will help you to bring worship that is authentic, that is real, that is genuine, that is not transactional. So in my introduction, I'm looking at the types of worship. So what, what is really the difference? And today I'm asking a lot of questions and I'm hoping to provide some answers to it. And the rest, I'm asking the Spirit of God to help you find answers that are reliable. So there are two ways of approaching worship. The first one focuses on external actions. For example, we come to church or in the mornings we wake up and observe our quiet time we pray, we sing in the bathrooms. Some of us, we sing very well, only when we are in the shower. And the voice is very sweet. Because then nobody is watching. You are real you. When you are in church, you are careful because you feel someone will judge. Because your voice, like many of us, are not on Moses' keyboard. And so when we go through those motions or routines, or some call the spiritual disciplines, it almost feels like you know, we have given worship. But that is what I call the outside-in approach of worship. It has to bother on a lot of externalities, things we do out. And it's some, for some of us, it's become a routine. So we wake up in the morning and we have a checklist. You put your metal song on, and then after 10 minutes, you open a scripture from Daily Guide or Power or Daily Bread or daily manner, any devotional book, we quickly run through it, and then the next thing is to be able to get the kids ready for school, and whilst they're at it, some of you put on music to create an atmosphere of worship in the house, and breakfast is set, a prayer is said, and there we go. It's a lot of externalities, nothing wrong, but if your worship is all about the external things today, I'm asking you to go a little further. I'm talking about the inside-out approach. So in this case of the inside-in, I'm talking about worship isn't about external actions only. Instead, it's the overflow of your heart. Some kind of an experience you've had with divinity. 
and it has stirred in you a deep appreciation of who God is. And for that reason, you are responding to God in his awesomeness. And that makes you feel like I'm really nothing. Anybody who's come close to God in worship, things change about the way you worship. See, it is easy. Thank you, Joel. It is easy to go through motions and routines and somehow feel like I am fulfilling worship. But today I am pleading. I'm literally coming to you. That's why I left the pulpit. So that you see that it must come with some deep encounter you have with God. And that reason, worship wells up. So the external actions must be byproduct rather than the goal. God is seeking a worship that is not out of convenience, but out of the overflow of the heart. He's seeking heart that when squeezed under pressure, somehow when you go through the crisis, when you lose the job, somehow, like Job, you literally go on your knees and you begin to worship. Is someone hearing me? So in one day, a man comes to Job and he says, you've lost everything. In fact, your cattle, your stocks, your bonds, your money. In fact, your 10 children were in their eldest brother's house having some party. And the house, a wind, came and took away the four corners of that. And so everybody died. You know, no, let, let's be honest. If it was you, hey, me war. You're erratic. Hey, I've been forced to A fearful enemy. But, but in verse 20 of Job chapter 1, Bible says that, and Job bowed down and worship. No, you can't go through such deep pain and the response is worship. I feel that it is about what Job has known about God. It's a difficult place to be to have lost everything. And the first response you get is worship. So I tell people that when we are squeezed, okay, when the taxi driver passes sharply in front of us, what comes out of us is what is we are made up of. So if, if what comes out is your hand raising in the air, not to give praise, but you know what I'm talking about, like it goes like that. You should know that it's already inside you. The taxi driver didn't bring it. He squeezed a little out of you. Is somebody hearing me? Am I communicating? I said, life is going to throw things at you. You'll be squeezed. You'll be pressed. You'll be crushed. And when the crushing comes, what is inside of you is going to come. That is what I call the spirit-led worship. So he's seeking heart that when squeezed under pressure, an authentic worship flows. And that's really what I'm going to do the whole day. So I'm really done. With this introduction, I've given a summary of the preaching. So, in this, in this book, John Piper, we're going to watch about 90-second video. So, we'll do just about 90-second video. Okay, the fun, sorry. We're going to do a 90-second video very quickly on this thing, if it's ready. But I'm speaking about it for a minute. You see, it's a worship must be vital and real in the heart. And worship must rest on the true perception of who God is. You see, I've said it here, and I quote John Piper again. John Piper was a pastor for Bethlehem Baptist in Minneapolis for 33 years. I followed him closely until he retired in 2013. Now he does a lot of reading and research for missions. And one other thing he said is that worship is the goal of mission. I think Uncle Max, you heard me say this and I'll say it again. Evangelism or mission exists because worship does not exist. That was John Piper. It's one of his great quotes. And I appreciate it so much because for all of us here, why we ever need to go out for evangelism, why we ever need to reach out to our neighbors is because worship doesn't exist among them. Why we go on mission is that the whole nations will come into worship. Worship that is authentic. That is not about going through the motions. Okay? So seeking the worship of the nation is fueled by the joy of our own worship. And you cannot commend what you don't cherish. And they have bent your hair and messed up. And you went around telling your friends, check this hairdresser out, he's good. Or you bought wache Saturday morning after you have gone for your morning walk. And the wache was bizarre. And then you would take a phone and call your friends. Tell I've got some nice wache joint around my area. Can you check it out? Who would do that? 
The point I'm making is that you can never commend what you don't cherish. And what impresses you, you tend to share with your friends freely. In fact, even the company has not asked you, you start to do referrals for them for free. Like, like I would say, go to the King James, because I know he will give you quality t-shirts, because he's giving me one. So I, I talk about it freely. But if he gave me a bad deal, I would even behave like he doesn't print any shirts. But that's what it is. Can we take the video for just 90 seconds? Just the first 90 seconds. Or a minute and 30 seconds. I think the only sentence that has stuck in the minds of many readers of the book, Let the Nations Be... I think the only sentence that has stuck in the minds of many readers of the book, Let the Nations Be Glad, is the sentence, I think it's the very first one in the book, uh, missions exists because worship doesn't. And the implication there is God's purpose for the world is that the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the sea. That is, we know it, we love it, and with white-hot affection, we praise God. He wants that to be true everywhere on the planet, in every people group on the planet, coming from every language on the planet. And it doesn't. True worship doesn't ascend to Yahweh, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, who sent him into the world to save sinners. It doesn't. And therefore, we care about that, and God has appointed a means by which that non-worship situation be changed, and it's called missions. Go. Go for the sake of the name. And plant the church everywhere so that there's a, a praising people spreading in every people group. So for the sake of worship all over the world, we do missions. Thank you very much. For the sake of worship, for the sake of worship, that is why we reach out to people. That every tribe tongue will speak about Jesus. Can we move on to my P, first P? Therefore, I ask the question, what is worship? What is worship? Think about it with all that I've said. What is worship? Anything that we do that pleases God. Anything we do that brings pleasure to God. Anything we do that seeks the will of God over every situation. And you can find that I think two, three weeks ago, Pastor Edisoti, Prophet Edisoti, took us to worshiping in spirit and truth, John 4, 24. And then Ephesians 4, verse 10 talks about we are God's workmanship created in Christ. I think chapter 2, verse 10, Ephesians 2, 10. So to worship is to bring pleasure to God and it must be done in heart and heard. In creeds and in deeds. You see, when, when we leave worship to creeds, to the things we say, and it's not shown in the deeds, that is where there is a big dichotomy, like a division between what we profess and what happens on the street. That is why sometimes you can have a nation of 70% Christians, but people struggle to do simple things like obeying traffic light. Because for them, worship is in creeds. It's in the things we say. It's the song we sang. We, we sang in church last Sunday, but it does not reflect on what we do on the street. It's in words and both in actions. It's in spirit and it's in truth. So that's my first proposition to worship. Can we go on, preacher? I have barely 15 minutes to wrap up. Okay. Why do we worship? Why does God respond to worship? Why? Because we know from the psalmist that God inhabits the praises of his people. God has a tendency to dwell and take every praise that is offered from the heart to him. And so he seeks his reflection in us. In fact, it is said that whatever you worship, you become. If you worship money, literally money starts to control you. If it starts to worship your job, it takes a hold on you and your family suffers. You could be very passionate about justice and issues of justice that they literally consume you 
and make you an unjust within. The point is that you reflect what you worship, what you value, what you hold so dear. So when prices go up, God arise to rescue. And that's what the test today is looking about when God responds to authentic worship. This is what C.S. Lewis had to say about worship. And I know a lot of you like to read. C.S. Lewis is an apologetian, someone who does a lot of apology and defend the gospel. And back in the Second World War, when Britain was struggling, he was the guy on radio to make sure that we keep Christianity what it is. And then today he will rise up in many tenses to say things about LGBT that will make sense even in that time to us. And he would defend the faith. It doesn't matter who is in power and what is popular. And one of the things he said about worship is that I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. Because the praise, not merely express, but completes the enjoyment. It's the, appoint, it's the appointed consummation. So it is not out of compliment that people who love themselves, like between a husband and a wife, they keep on telling one another how beautiful they are, how wonderful my husband is. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. This is how C.S. Lewis thinks of worship. That if you really care about God and experience who God is, you cannot but begin to talk about it. It's like somebody who experiences a beautiful waterfall and it makes such an impression on you. You cannot but just express how you feel about it. So when people cannot worship, they have not experienced God. No, sometimes, ah, why are people worshiping and as if they are not interested, they are sitting down, they are bored. Please, it, it is not about the choir. You know, sometimes we want to say, maybe the choir, they didn't do rehearsal. They do rehearsals all the time. But I was in rehearsal a bit last night. Oh, today I'm not feeling the song. Have you checked about how you are feeling about God? Are you hearing what I'm talking about? Because if you fought your spouse or your children made you angry and you did not settle it and you came to church, if even we brought angels to sing, it will still not impact you. Because you are not connecting with the supreme God. So, so it is about how you're feeling about God. That is why some of you, when you hear a particular song, because it tells of your story, literally you go prostrate. In your heart, like you, you, you feel so connected. That Father, I thank you for how far you brought me. Is somebody hearing me? So worship really is not about the song. And it's not about the singer. It's about the God who we worship. That should change the way we see worship. Hello? I am not trying to compensate bad music. No, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not compensating bow sound. Just in case maybe the sound didn't go well. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about worship. How we feel reverential towards God. So, how do we worship? We seek to glorify God in all situations. True worship is both internal and it's also external. It is head and it is heart. No, there are some of us who worship basically from the heart. It's very emotional, but there's no thought process with our worship. We don't even think of the words we sing. Hello? Wanda waso merade and sometimes I ask, do you understand the words you are using? You know, sometimes we sing songs and there are songs you can't sing in worship because it does not, it doesn't make sense to you. How can you say, obi ansom yamia and yeshe? But if you don't understand the song, that's what we go through. I mean, you've heard some of the songs that people play on videos. You say what? Uh, Lord, you are what? Too good. Oh. And, and, and you could see that the person has no appreciation of the words. He doesn't understand. So he's singing it in his own way. The point I am making is this. That if you are singing or you are coming, there must be a certain understanding. So, Because he doesn't know who God is, he's not able to give him the due worship. That is what the song is. But because we don't understand the words, or maybe perhaps we're going through the motions of worship, we sing the song anyhow. There are some songs you literally feel that there is no merit in worship because it doesn't speak about the God we worship. It talks about our pain. It talks about our struggles. But sometimes it may be nice to the singer, so he wants to sing it. No, it must be about God. I'm not talking about inspirational songs. I'm talking about worship. Hello? So here is the ancient appeal that still speaks to us across the centuries. What does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God. 
to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. It demands everything. This worship we are talking about, it demands our soul and it demands our spirit. It demands our thoughts and it demands our emotions. It is not enough to give him part and to leave the rest out. This is what Timothy Keller says. He said, God made us to ever increasingly share in his own joy and delight in the same way he has joy and delight within himself. We share this joy first as we give him glory. So if you begin to worship God and, and you engage God, somehow his joy erupts on you. Now, some of you have tears in worship. It's because of a certain place you get close to God and everything is overwhelming. It's uncontrollable. It's not, you don't care what your makeup looks like. You, you don't care what dress you wore to church. You know, when, when David experienced this type of worship, he, he was not careful to know whether there were servants or maids around. That is why the man literally was dancing almost naked. The wife says, a king cannot be undignified. No. The woman had not understood that David knew where God picked him from. A shepherd boy, and then he has made him a king instead of Michelle's father. He, he, was not, he was not nest in Cain. Jonathan should have been. And literally, if you begin to understand how far God has brought you, your worship is different. In fact, you don't need encouragement from anybody to worship. You don't need anybody to, to whip up worship. So we raise our hands. Anybody you have to force to raise their hands have not come to a place where they see this God deserves an absolute surrender. You are, you are doing external, the out, out worship, the externalities. It, it is not. But, but today, let me talk about Paul and Silas as I wrap up in my few minutes. So, in the text we read, I'm talking about how to worship. These men have been arrested and falsely accused, according to verse 20, 21 of Acts chapter 16. They were stripped and beaten with rods. The Bible indicates they were wood rods, beaten very well. They were thrown into prison. You see, when... I think Brother Bennett was sharing about praising God in prison is not easy. These people just didn't get up to prison. There are some of us who are escorted by the police and, you know, your family is weeping and, oh, this thing bad, and they take you to prison. No, these guys were stripped and beaten before they were thrown into prison. And because the people were so mad at them, they asked that they throw them into the deepest part of prison. It's like, go, go to a place where you are not accessible. And guess what? They were fasting their feet on stocks. So literally, they were in prison and they could not even move around. They were in prison, they could not move around. I want you to think about that with your life. I have a few minutes to finish this sermon. Sometime life will throw things at you that will strip your dignity and your glory. Sometimes you will hear messages and counter messages in your office, in your home. That makes you wonder. Really, where is God in all of the things I'm dealing with? There are times that after all the investment you put into that relationship, into the marriage, into your children, they look like you did nothing. You see, this man had a call from God, literally to go to the Macedonian area. This is Paul Missionary Journey 2. This whole thing is about missions. That's why I wanted to connect worship to missions. And this man was, was on the way to prayer. Where this demon-possessed girl was trying to almost seek for validation from Paul. Because he kept talking about what Paul was on to do. And he was a fortune teller. So if Paul allows it, means that whatever this demon, demonized girl is doing, it's okay. Paul was troubled in his spirit and rebuked this demon. And when the people saw that economic venture was over, Paul has become a target. And Silas. You know, sometimes you take a stand in your office to do what is right. And almost everybody comes at you. I just came to remind you, you're on a mission field. Sometimes it's a lonely place to take a stand and have integrity. Because everybody decides that in this time, I had a joke, it's a bad joke, that, oh, why are they doing with the vaccines? We have frame one now, so that it will be a lot for Ghanaians. But that's how sometimes situation looks like. That you will stand against people doing what is wrong and you become a target. You will not be given a political appointment. You, you, among your friends, you'll find like, oh, oh, oh you saw for Messiah Adiero. Those of you who work at the port and other places said the deals must go through. You can't work here five years without building a house. Some will tell you in three years you must have a house. And this is the narrative, and you decide to do what is right. 
you'll be arrested. Some cases, you'll be falsely accused. Sometimes people with their mouth, they will strip you naked. Okay? And they throw you into a kind of a self-isolation where you have no relationship with people, where you have no connections, where you can't get the jobs and the contracts you used to get. You are in your prison. And that seems not to be enough. Now they're fasting their feet on stocks. So really there's no mobility. It's like whatever you are doing, you are not making progress. Because literally you have taken a stand for what is right. You have decided that you worship God. You've decided that among your friends, you are not going to Benin to collect things to mix with the business you do. So everything is against you. I have a news for you. Paul and Silas, they worshiped. When you are going through things that do not make sense to you, when people are coming against you because of your stand of righteousness, because you took a stand for God, this is where the spirit-led worship comes in. In fact, at midnight, Paul should have complained. God, you told me to come to this area of Macedonia. Why? Why will you allow people to falsely accuse me and you do nothing about it? Why would you allow them to beat a whole anointed apostle of God like me? Strip me. Beat me. In fact, if you read the Bible, Bible said they beat them well. When they were severely beaten, it's in your version. Severely. No, you can beat somebody with few stripes. And you can severely beat somebody. It's like when you're because a latter part we realize that when the jailer came, he has to cleanse their wounds. Today I have a message for you. I don't know where your midnight is. But Paul came to a place where it was dark. It was a transition between the night of suffering and the morning of glory. And at that material time, Paul said, I will pray and I will sing hymns. There are some of you who God, because of what you are dealing, will give you a song in the morning. If you've never had, I'm praying for you today. At the time of transition, God will give you a word. God will put a song in your heart. God will give you a prayer topic to pray. At that midnight, don't let sleep overcome you. In fact, people who cannot but sleep are people who have not gone through the Moses. They, they haven't gone through the suffering and the struggle. If you are dealing with a coronavirus patient or a relative is struggling under oxygen, I can tell you, you will not have any desire for sleep. I can tell you, you will have no desire for sleep. If they call you in the main, pastor, I literally can breathe. I cannot breathe under the oxygen. The pastor will lose his sleep. Even though you are tired and ready for the next day, you will lose your sleep because you want to pray until God comes. But this is the secret. And that's why I'm coming to my end. At the midnight, they sang hymns to God. And then God responded to their worship. When you are going through crisis and it's hard, it is not time for complaint. It is not time to share on your Facebook page and let everybody know that it is you alone struggling. It is not time to show on your, uh, your, your WhatsApp status and let people know that life has dealt badly with you and that you can't trust no one. It is not the time to say, God, why didn't you come through for me? It is just you and God. And so guess what they did? They worshipped. And let's see the response of what happens. This, this is my last but one slide as I, as I wrap up. When God responds to a spirit-led worship to men that have been beaten, arrested, falsely accused, people that were not making progress, stop, locked up in bonds, Bible said the prison foundations were shaken. Anytime we do a genuine spirit-led worship, there is a quickening in the atmosphere. If you don't literally see foundations being shaken, God is shaking it anyway. And you see that the chains and the shackles, they will come loose. Freedom is what I see when God responds to our worship. And then the jailer got up because when there was a shaking, the entire prison lock system failed. The entire security force of the prison failed. And the man says, I cannot live with this thought. Being in charge of this prison at such a time, I better kill myself. I have a message for you. If life comes so hard at you, and you feel there is no reason to leave, and you are considering suicide, or you have suicidal tendency, my point to you this morning is that come to the place of worship. Paul shouted with a voice of hope, don't take your life. Don't take your life. He says, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Nobody has escaped. This is a divine orchestration. What must I do? So the man walked quickly and falls prostrate at Paul. You see, when you begin to worship and God steps in, 
that very boss who seems to chant and have occultic powers, who seems to suppress and everybody is afraid, one of these days, he's coming to Melo and asks you, what do you do? What do you do? Now, some of us will give up too easily because you think that you have a boss, everybody is afraid. He wears four or five rings. And I hear one of the rings represent power. Some represent this, represent that. And it scares people. But I, I, I've come to a place that he who has come to kneel before the Lord can stand before any man. That it does not really matter how powerful they are. God is able to bring. This is the jailer who was supposed to secure Paul in prison. Now he comes falling down. I pray for you as I end the sermon that whoever has been part of the conspiracy, whoever has been part of the orchestration to frustrate your life, to make life difficult, to be stripped of your glory, whatever it is they do, one of these days, may the Lord cause them to fall. May the Lord cause them to kneel. May the Lord cause them to know there is a power who surpasses all power. And then last of all, the jailer asks, what must I do? What must I do? Look, a time must come that when we worship that stubborn child, that difficult spouse, to come to a place and said, what must I do to be saved? It's, it's a question of repentance. What can I do? Some will repent. Some will harden their heart. But we know those who harden their heart, what God deals with them. But to those who repent, Paul will tell them, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved and your house will. Today, that is the kind of message I wanted to reflect on as I finish the sermon. What response will you have? What are your chains and your fears? What are your worries about what is going on? In the last couple of days, I've gotten phone calls of Christians whose son has confessed or daughter says they are lesbians. Some says they are gay. Some are within our churches, some are outside the church. I said, what must you do when you begin to know that all your investment of prayer, your Christian upbringing fails at the time your child is turned a teenager? It is not time to suck the child out of the house. It's not at a time to throw your hands in the air. No. It's time to go back to the place of prayer. It's an error. Bible says, while men slept, the enemy came to sow tars. If any Christian has a child who is going through lifestyle challenges, sexual orientation, no, 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 no. It is not a time to give up on that child. It is time to come back to God and say, Lord, you did not give me a child to raise as a gay or as a lesbian. I still love my son. I still care about this child and I will do whatever it takes for heaven to speak in this situation. Amen? Amen? God indeed responds to worship if we've been through things and it seems to take everything away. I want us to bow our heads in prayer right now and, and to reflect about where you are right now in your life. Life issues. Life challenges. And I'm throwing it to you today. What, what, what are the hard things you are dealing with in your work, in your family? Sometimes it starts right from home. It seems to run two visions at home. Sometimes it's about raising of the children. Sometimes it's just about neighbors around us. Sometimes it goes to the workplace. And you see, you could have done a lot, but when you think about what God has done for you, when you think about the things God has allowed you to go through and you know how far you have come and that God is nature, you must respond in worship. You must respond in worship. I don't know whether we can do one quick worship. Where's Ben? Before we do this song, let's worship. We want to worship wherever you are. I don't know what the issues are. I don't know what causes you sleepless night. What makes you doubt about whether God is still with you? Because sometimes life can be so hard, you feel whether God really hears prayer. If you have not been there, get ready. One of these days, you're going to go through it. Or maybe you're coming out of one. Let's go. Can you respond to worship right now? In your own way. That in our situation, God will still remain God. Thank you, Jesus. Wherever you are. 
come squeezing things out of you. I think you must come to a place of a spirit-led worship. Others may think you're crazy. In fact, sometimes your family will think that you're going really off because you should be shouting, you should be cursing God, you should be insulting, you should be saying wow things. But Paul and Silas did none of that. They just wanted to worship and, and, and they just wanted to sing hymns. They wanted to just thank God. I, I don't know what you have to thank God for. But for that job you lost, for the challenge you face, for that difficulty you don't have answers to, for things that happen to you, hey, just stop with God. Wherever you are, say, Lord, be glorified in this. Sometimes we make God too small. We make God too small. But He's bigger than whatever you are dealing with, He's faithful. And that is why you begin to experience this God. It evokes worship. It brings something out. Because you know this God will come through. Yes, you lost the contract. Yes, you lost the dear one. It doesn't even make sense now. But God is coming through. Father, we worship Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I do. Father, we want to say thank you. What a privilege it is to come into your presence. Father, we thank you that you are bigger than anything we have to face. We thank you that your blood is so powerful. Father, we thank you that 
your grace is still sufficient Lord we thank you that you are still on the throne ha ha so it does not matter what comes our way it does not matter what the lobbies and advocates and the pressure groups build father you still be lord that the sanctity of marriage will be kept that the glory of the lord will be revealed that all nations will bring you worship father we are here to say thank you we thank you for every life you have spared in the last 12 months of COVID-19 even to those who move on to glory Lord we thank you we thank you O God for and who has recovered Lord we thank you for things we do not understand and father we say may your name be glorified in Jesus name amen hallelujah we want to do a quick invitation for anyone who has not a relationship with Jesus once again, I want to remind you, missions exist because worship doesn't. So we throw invitation to invite you to a relationship with Jesus so that you can bring an authentic worship to God in your house, in your car, wherever you find yourself. You can worship God everywhere, not only in church. That's what I said, that God doesn't even need our worship in this building, everywhere. So I'm asking you, wherever you are, as we take this in, We'll try and do the first and the last stanza. Praise God. As we're saying, you can take a stand wherever you are. We'd like to pray with you. That Jesus will come into your heart today. That you have a relationship with Jesus. transactional relationship but a spirit-led relationship you can also send a text message to this that I want to know Jesus just send Jesus come into my heart wherever you are we invite you to take a stand 
and said, today, I want to make Jesus my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you.